Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where it is almost the end of the year and it's geekery time. I don't have a good intro today. Uh, I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Geek stuff. Yeah, this is the first episode that we are recording out of time sync, which is basically how the rest of December goes, because we want something in the feed for you guys every single week, and we also want time off for the holidays. So this begins our, we don't really know which week which episode is coming out <laughs> i do because i have it all written down on a schedule but i know that bj will completely lose track so forgive him for that that's true yeah I, I, I won't know when i'm talking about anything yeah but basically um this is so we didn't do geekery last week this is kind of like we just have a bunch of random things there's not really a cohesive piece here it's just like a super geekery episode because we have things that we want to talk about before we do our end of the year episodes because some of this may or may not come up in those episodes so we got to get this out there first otherwise it'll feel like it's coming from nowhere basically yep yeah pretty much because while we while we love our big geekery episodes and we love talking about it the end of the year stuff is so intense for us to put these lists together it's just like we need to get this stuff out so that we can focus on the best of the best of the best of the best yeah and we've both been working on our lists and pulling it together and i was like oh there are some things that are on my list that like i there's one thing in particular that i'm like oh i haven't even talked about this yet like we got to talk about this stuff (laughs) so that's basically our episode tonight is a bunch of catch up it's getting towards the end of the year we're out of time out of sync with the real time stream anyway and uh we're just gonna talk for a little bit so first of all i have to say i got this awesome persona 5 art book from you for christmas thank you very much i love it it's fantastic you're welcome when i saw that online that was one of those things that when i came across it just kind of looking around it was like oh that's perfect that that when i when there's a 512 page art book of of someone's favorite game it's like yep my buddy's getting that well and it's like it's the most stylish game that i've ever seen you were asking like why isn't it on my because we've been looking at each other's end of the year list we're pulling our show notes together over weeks like we actually put some effort into these and you're like, why isn't Persona 5 on there? And I was like, that was last year. Like, that was my game of the year last year. Um, and I know I've talked about it this year, but it's all been through the lens of, like, New Game Plus, And I haven't beaten that yet. So whatever year I beat the New Game Plus run in, it'll probably show up as an honorable mention again because I love that <laughs> game. It's so good. But, uh, yeah, you surprised me, and I love this art book. It's fantastic. It's, like, the most stylish game I've ever played, and this shows you the breakdown of all the style in it. And you got me the Japanese version, which is, like, extra long that has even more art in it and ah i just love it thank you yeah you're you're quite welcome and i wish that it were in english because apparently some of the features in there are really good as well that break it down and discuss it but the english version of it was apparently way lower in the reviews like people were talking about how it had way fewer pages not as much art things like that and i'm like no you're buying an art book for the art it was like that's yeah. that's what you want this for. It's like whether you can understand it or not. If you've played this game, he's gonna know what all of this, these characters are and be able to piece that together. Like where the the uh, uh, narrative and the structure will come from. But and I I may have been placing your Christmas order the same day I got that, which is kind of funny to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll see we'll see what you think when you get yours. Ooh, but I'm excited now. That was awesome. So that was really great. Um, so I, I had to mention that on air, and then. The another thing that's quick, I have some longer ones, but I want to do a qu- couple quick hits here first. The Minecraft story mode, which I know that I've mentioned that I played like the first episode a long time ago when it came mm-hmm. out on, I don't know, something PlayStation or I don't, I don't even remember what I played it on, but it's on Netflix now. And yeah. it's 
It's really interesting because both of my kids found it independently of me, and both of them played through it, and they love it. And so, did I they actually, play through all of it? Yeah, they they played through the first three episodes that are available, and then the other three episodes come out um, on December fifth, which for us is in the future, and for everybody else listening is in the past. And they they're so excited for the next episodes to come out. So I actually watched them play a little bit of it, and all of the stuff in the Telltale games that like the piece that I don't actually like, which is like manually walking your character around and like picking up things and trying to figure out which object to interact with, the Netflix version takes all of that out. And it's purely okay. the story and it distills it down to the choices in the story, which is my favorite part. So I actually think that this might be a better version of Telltale Games. And I wonder if this is the first step in Netflix doing more choose your own adventure content going forward. I think they're going to because when I was looking around at this, I found this one independently as well, uh, and it caught my eye because there is a video game controller on the thumbnail, and I was like, that's new, and so I went back to it, and I was like, that's a video game, y'all, and it, it has this whole introduction about how it's uh, it's an in, it's a uh, an interactive kind of video, and I didn't play enough of it. I got through the introduction and started it to be able to make choices and see how it went, but I didn't get to the point where I could remember if I was moving my character around or not. That was yeah. the one thing I couldn't remember at different points. I was like, was I moving around at this point or was I not? And uh, because it's so well done, like it's so seamless through it that that I honestly couldn't remember how, how I played it before. And uh, but there is a stretch Armstrong one. Yeah, it, it's super interesting that like uh, I watch them play it on iPad. So just buttons pop up and they just tap them. But I'm assuming like on any platform you play on, like whatever controller you have in your hand just works to select yes. these options. Right. On the PS4, it does the same thing. You're holding your controller or you have it sitting on you. It vibrates and the the thing comes up and you select left or right and you pick the the uh, which way you want the story to go. Um, you just do that and hit a button and it goes right through. Very simple, very intuitive. Didn't have any any kind of system lag or anything I would have expected out of it. It was yeah. it was neat. So I'm not going to be playing through it, but I'm super excited that my kids are, and I think it's very cool that both of them are getting into these like choose your own narrative games because I love that, and I'm all about Netflix doing. More. I'm just not going to play this one because I've played part of it already. But like, I'm all about Netflix doing more of this. Like, if they want to do, even if it's live action video, even if it's like, uh, you know, more mature story or adult stuff that's not aimed towards kids, I'm all about it. Like, I want more choose your own adventure narratives in my life. Like, I'm psyched for that. Um, and then another quick hit here is Spider-Man Turf Wars DLC. So the second Spider-Man, uh, I keep forgetting what it's called, the Night City Never Sleeps. That's it. Okay. Um, the City Never Sleeps, like the three-part DLC chapters that they're coming out, the second one released, and it's called Turf Wars. And it's all about Yuri and Hammerhead, and it kind of picks up where the Black Cat one left off. But because of what happens right at the end of that one, without spoiling it um black hat's not really in this one so this became more about yuri and hammerhead and this like escalating mafia family gang war and like i i really missed black hat in this because she was my favorite part of the last one because it was such like a personal thing for peter and this one the second parter it definitely feels like a middle episode it's much more about like the rising tensions of the police and like uh yuri and what she does and hammerhead and his mafia and it's kind of more of a generic cops versus robbers bad guy story you know and spider-man's in the middle of it but it also feels like it's setting up for part three so i'm okay with it because like 
it's a weak middle chapter, but it's good enough. And compared to most other games that came out this year, it's still really good because Spider-Man is really good. Uh, yeah. Mostly it just got me excited for part three. Yeah, I mean, they're thinking about that when you told me that it wasn't as good as one, but we're hoping three is going to be just as good or better. That most of the middle stories and even some of the best narratives have been kind of eh. like the two towers is by far the weakest of the lord of the rings uh books and movies empire strikes back kind of kind of pushes that out uh is the the outlier on that the last jedi uh is i liked it but it's going to be the weak link i have no doubt i mean just middle stories you look at the first like Harry Potter trilogy, Chamber of Secrets is the weak one before they really shift tone and move forward. Like it's always a middle story. So hopefully yeah. the third one's going to be good. Yeah. So those are my quick hits. Um, let's go back to your quick hits and like all of yours. Let's just talk about all your geekery because okay. I need to hear about this sub. What? Tell me. Okay, so so these when we do geekery, a lot of it is just stuff that we're geeking out about right, right then or that we've done this week. And I found today at lunch, I had a counselor's appointment, and it was very emotional dealing with my mom uh, and, and her death earlier this year. And so I'd been crying, and Jennifer and I decided to go out to lunch. I was like, I need just, just some good food and all this. So she was like, I need to eat well, uh, at least well enough. Let's go to Subway. And so I'm like, cool, let's just get, a, get some sort of sandwich, and everything will be fine. And I walk in <laughs> Subway. and eat well enough, I guess, maybe question mark. Yeah, it's well enough. It, it's not McDonald's. That should be their thing. Like Subway, we're not McDonald's. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, but I walk in and on the window, they just have plastered that they have a garlic bread meat, a uh, new cheesy garlic bread meatball marinara sub. And I'm like, oh, Oh, that's going in my mouth. And it was the most delightful sandwich I've eaten in years. If if you I can't even tell you how good this sandwich was. That it seriously is like you buy a loaf, like if you ever bought a loaf of garlic bread from the grocery store and like one of those like foils that you just put it in the oven and toast it up like you know those where it already has the the garlic yeah. butter and stuff on it okay and you know just how kind of kind of disgusting but also really delicious those are um, like th- you and i do not have the same taste preferences but i know exactly what you're talking about yes like i love those like those those are so good that's what this is except you're eating a sub on it you have just meatballs and marinara sauce and more cheese than you should reasonably put on a sandwich like it had provolone cheese on the bottom then like mozzarella shredded on top and toast on these mar- on not marshmallows but on these meatballs <laughs> on just like this big loaf of garlic bread like they took two scoops like as unhealthy as it can be two scoops of garlic butter and spread on like the, they do like tuna scoops and stuff like i thought she was putting tuna on there and i had to actually ask like no no i, I said the the uh, the garlic bread uh, meatball and she was like oh this is just the garlic butter and i'm like <laughs> oh my god like it is so delicious like there are, i it is the like i said the most unhealthy thing like there is nothing healthful about this but it was seriously one of the best sandwiches i've had like all day long i've just been sitting here thinking like i want another one of those sandwiches i can't ever have another one of those sandwiches like it made me happy like going from counselor's appointment like dealing with grief and crying because my mom died to that sandwich actually made me feel better that 
is a delightful sandwich, and I don't know how long it's going to be there, but if you like garlic bread and you've ever thought, hey, I should eat a sandwich on this, you can now. Like, I loved it. It's so good. Breaking news, BJ ate a really good sandwich. Okay. A really good sandwich. And it's funny because I occasionally do this on our geekeries where a couple of, I was looking back for the end of the year episodes, and there was like, I talked about eating a whole cake. And then you were like the next episode when I opened up the notes, it was like, do you have any more cake related anecdotes? And I was just like, I like food. It was a fair question. It was. It was. I ate an entire cake by myself and made myself feel bad. Uh, Um, But you watched The Dragon Prince this week, which I I know because you were texting me about it. You finally came around. I did. And it was on my list. It was something that it wasn't a, oh, get, I, it, it was a, I'm not in the mood to watch a cartoon. Sure. And because yeah. I've actually been, cartoons make me feel better when I'm sad. And so I've been in that mood. It's Christmas time, you know, like I said, and, and everything's been a little bit sad. And I wanted a cartoon and I wanted a good cartoon, not just something that, that was comfort, but something that was, uh, was really interesting. And so this one kind of came across. I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. And it is like it's really good that initially when it starts out, you were right when you had mentioned it before you had mentioned that there was a weird frame rate thing. Yeah, where it for like an episode, like, but I got over it quick. Yeah, you get over it really quick. I don't even think about it anymore where it's like there are missing frames. It's uh, it's and it's on purpose. It's a stylistic choice, but it's just like the animation is not just silky smooth. It's like every like every other frame has been taken out or it, something. It just feels like it was shot with a low frame rate. And I just know that yeah. because I worked in video forever, so I know what that looks like. Um, I'm sure it's not. I mean, that's not actually what's happening, but that's the style that they chose. And I like it. Like after after just a little bit, uh, that combined with the cell shading and then the kind of three dimensional uh, rendering of some of the the areas and scenes that they set, it looks beautiful together. And the characters are really interesting. Um, there is a a there's an elf that you meet in the first episode named Rayla, and she has a Scottish accent. And I just kind of like oh it graded on me because I'm like oh her Scottish accent is so bad, and then. I looked her up and she's Scottish like that's a real Scottish accent that it's because I'm so used to fake Scottish accents that it took me a while to actually get used to a a real one as uh, just a normal conversation uh, did you have that reaction to her voice or anything because Jennifer no, and Austin both an had the same thing I don't have an ear for accents as much like it has to be really bad to throw me off so I didn't really notice okay and so the frame rate thing was like that I was like that's neat they did something and uh you're like it's frame rate but yeah the same thing that's what we're what we do right and uh it reminds me a lot of nino kuni too because it's this cell shaded animation and it's also a light-hearted fantasy and well a pseudo light-hearted fantasy because it is a serious narrative but there are tons of jokes there it's a uh it's a, a trio of friends going out and there's a there's a, a funny animal sidekick uh funny animal companion like it's great and um i kept waiting on it felt like i was waiting for the cutscene to end and for me to pick up my controller and it's uh kind of felt like i was playing a, a new rpg and so i haven't finished it yet i've got about an episode and a half that may get finished tonight and uh but season two was greenlit so i found that out and it should be out in 2019 and i'm very happy to hear that that uh, other people thought it was as good as uh, you and I did. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it just left me wanting more. And it also, it hints at so many pieces of a larger world. And if you actually yes. go read any, like, interviews with the creators or media about it, which I did afterwards, not before, um, they have a whole world that they fleshed out to make this show. And this is only focusing on a small section of it. And you really get a feel for that in the first season. You're like, there are so many other places they could go, or they could make completely other shows in this universe, and it would totally work. So I'm excited for anything they do with that. I was actually waiting on games this would be the kind of thing that i could see spinning off into a number of things but oh, yeah. yeah yeah for sure but yeah so that was fantastic and then you know just as a as a quick note i've been going back into overwatch as well um it's almost christmas time there's going to be a christmas event coming up soon uh so i was like i'm gonna play overwatch a little bit and uh it's been good and they redesigned symmetra and i've been having a hard time really finding a, a good main uh to play most of the time and symmetra all of the changes that they did to her they made her way more aggressive uh rather than super defensive and i love her like she is so good now like you can you launch turrets like missiles and they stick to whatever they hit uh not people but they stick to whatever they hit and you can only have three of them but they recharge fast so you basically use them like grenades oh interesting and she uh the the charge up for her right her charge up for her right click to th like do the big ball um is they're now grenades they all explode they deal half their damage on hit and half as explosions so you can rapid fire them to explode all around or a really big one at people and then she has a zarya style straight line beam for her main attack uh it doesn't auto track anymore but it also builds up where you can get this really crazy powerful uh beam if you consistently hit someone like Zarya does and it also restores your energy and ammo if you do it against a shield so with Arissa, Bridget and uh wrecking ball and uh reinhardt shields you break their shield while doing damage recharging your ammo and uh uh, building up uh, the damage on yours, like it's it's insane. It sounds like and basically a completely new character. It really feels like it. Like I didn't know what to do at first, and then I saw someone launch a turret at me. Um, and and the teleporter is also her, uh, not her ultimate anymore. It is a, uh, a just an ability on cooldown where you place it and. It puts a teleporter where you are and where you place it about 30 yards away, anywhere in there. So you can really play around with it a lot more. Um, and her ultimate is now placing a gigantic shield across the in a straight line across the entire playing field that has about 5,000 hit points. Like if oh, you're wow. in, it is so crazy. Like I have saved games just by blocking the other team with that before it's uh like she is insane and awesome and like no one ever really picks her like some people do in the area but i have really won i've won the vast majority of games since i started playing her because apparently she now plays like i play and she's really good so uh they've done a lot of changes to overwatch with a lot of new characters since i know you and i last really played and uh, it's neat getting into those characters now very cool i saw a game my friend posted on my facebook page uh the other day a link that uh called for a game called legends of aria have you heard of this um it 
No, but you also it, said it used to be called it Shards used to be Online. Called Shards Online, and it was a Kickstarter game. They're like vaguely familiar. Like I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't remember much. It was a Kickstarter game that was kind okay. of a spiritual successor to Ultima Online. Okay, um, it was a it fully supported like player mods and servers, player rule sets, even uh, that have to be approved by the community. Um, and that's what it is. I bought in on this when he linked it uh, to me. It's thirty dollars. It'll be on Steam in January. And today, as of this recording, it was the first day of of real early access launch because yesterday they cut off the pre-order like founders packs kind of stuff when I found it. So I decided to go ahead and get in. I liked the idea of it and I've been playing it a little bit and it really does feel like old school UO. I mean, you can place houses, you can go out into the wilderness, this open sandbox to do whatever you want. Uh, use space skill system where you put a sword, you gain swordsmanship or they call it slashing. Uh, use magic you gain in that school of magic stuff like that um it's gonna be really neat i don't know obviously i don't know how much time i'll spend in it because right now it's still early access uh but they're not gonna do another character wipe or anything they said that you can start building your homes now and uh it's it's just really neat that a new take on probably my favorite old school game is is actually coming out and coming to fruition that it wasn't a kickstarter fail um, yeah there's a lot so, of those um, but i mean that's awesome especially knowing like how much you loved Ultima Online back in the day. Yeah, because going back to Ultima now is not possible. Like no. the current Ultima Online is not what the old Ultima Online was and player run shards are not what I like. Like those I've tried and they're never they never satisfy me and I think having something like this with an actual development team working on the game in so many different ways will at least keep my attention more and as the game if the game is already enough to get me interested right now when it actually gets through early access I have really high hopes for it so it's it's fun um and then I saw Ralph Breaks the Internet uh I doubt you have I don't I know not. if your your kids no, have dragged I you to it I saw the first one um at home at some point I'll probably do the same with this one I didn't love the first one enough to feel like oh yeah I got to go see this right away but I'll see it eventually and you Ralph, can spoil Rick it. I'm not worried about spoilers. <laughs> well, Wreck-It Ralph was one of my favorite Disney movies of the last few years. That uh, It was six years ago. It was 2012, um, which is nuts to me to even think about. But I really, really liked it. And I've rewatched it a few times, and uh, mainly because of Vanellope. Um, it made me actually like Sarah Silverman as an actress um, and a comedian. But neither here nor there um this one instead of just being like video game related they go out onto the internet and they have to buy something off ebay that's really the uh the the impetus to their their quest here and it's very good it's not as good as the first one but it basically whereas they were in like a mario kart racing game in the first one they basically get into a grand theft auto style uh game in this one called um slaughter race it was called slaughter race and uh like it was this kind of it was basically a take on what uh what gta is with all that sure that, yeah but with absurdity like sharks coming out of the out of the sewers and uh but like it was great that this movie was really good and all they had all of the Disney princesses in there and they had Ariel sing like all of the original princesses had their original voices as well. The ones that were still alive uh, because you don't get Snow White and Cinderella, uh, Sleeping Beauty, uh, 
actresses are still not around, but the people who are playing them now. Um, and they were all having these really great scenes that they all got to do their thing at some point in the movie. Um, like it was just really nice to have, uh, all of them together have Ariel sing about uh, wanting comfy clothes, like because Vanellope helps them uh, get comfy clothes instead of their uh, their princess dresses, um, and it's just great. Like they handled this movie so well, and if you if you like Disney movies like I do, then it's well worth seeing. Um, and the princesses were by far my favorite highlight of all of it. Just having having all of that, uh, and even Moana was in it, and like new stuff it was it was really really cool to see good i'm glad that it works for oh. people like you that are like big disney fans i don't know yeah if, and i don't know if you're quite super fan because i think that's like a certain level of like there are people that just like obsess over you're yeah. not there but you're I'm definitely like the higher tier of disney fan Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, I'm not one of the super fans. I'm not one. I see those in some of the Facebook groups I'm in for <laughs> Disney. And I'm like, yeah, you take that way more seriously than I do. It's like I'm going to I'm, I'm the kind of guy who joins Facebook groups for Disney. That's the that's the level that I'm at there. Not uh, not that super fan uh kind of stuff this. And I went with my nephew and he got me playing the uh, Disney hero battle kind of idle rpg on uh on phones because i've been playing it uh to be able to talk with him about it and uh, he's eight and just loves it and so uh, i've been playing that so uh, that one's neat just to go with the disney thing it made me really like wreck it ralph as well um but and i'm i'm gonna say i'm geeking out about this because i'm also probably gonna re-watch uh the marvelous mrs Maisel season one i may start that tonight as i finish up the dragon prince because the marvelous mrs Maisel season two starts tomorrow as of this recording oh i and had no idea i liked the, that first season it was yeah, pretty good first season's really good i've i really liked it um it actually i started it over and watched the first episode again when i just needed something on tv that would make me giggle but i couldn't didn't have to pay attention to that it was a good show for that that if y'all haven't watched it on amazon prime it is definitely worth it it's uh as you put it to me uh, back when you talked about it when you watched it uh, initially it's about a housewife in the 1950s who who's trying to become a stand-up comedian yeah i mean that's uh, the core of it it yep I didn't that, like, that's the, love it. That's the like, conceit of it. Yeah, it is. I didn't love it like above and beyond. Like I wouldn't give it a rousing endorsement for everybody, but it right. was one of those shows that surprised me with how interesting it was enough that it got me through the entire season. And like, you know yeah. how many things I try and I will literally bounce off of them just yep. left and right as soon as I lose interest. And this yep. one kept me interested throughout the whole thing. So the fact that there's a season two, I'll definitely give it a shot. Yeah. And um, I'm excited because the the production value on the first one was it was just so well done that I'm excited that I can say I'm going to geek out about it because I'm geeking out. I'm waiting on it. So I wanted uh, everyone who listens to this to know, go listen, go watch it because now you have two seasons of it to watch uh which is much better than having to wait awesome cool let's take a quick break to do our geeky off of the week before we dive into i have a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about so you tell do. nice people about patreon so patreon is a site where you can support the podcast you can help keep us on the air uh cover hosting costs that kind of stuff and we would appreciate it if you go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast become a patron saint of geekery on our discord server tell us what to talk about if you have an advertisement for something cool or weird then you can have that on there you can tell us uh, 
kind of topics you want. You can see me fail at trying a Snapchat like a story system, whatever you want, or you could get a real nice thank you uh, on air. And uh, so, yeah, go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast And as the new year comes around, we're looking at new ways uh, to really reward and interact with you guys. So if you have any ideas of what would be a good idea for a Patreon reward that you would like, uh, shoot it to us uh, and uh, we'll see what we can do. See if it's in the cards. Uh, like I said, patreon.com slash geek to geekcast Nice. I love when you say like it keeps us on the air because we're not on the air anywhere. And so I always just think about like that sweet, sweet internet air. Anyway, um, <laughs> the network this week. Don't forget about the rest of the network. Uh, Geek to Joe Hogan and Ray Vargas. I know they have an episode coming out this week. I'm not sure what it's about, but I always love what they land on. It's always an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Tea time with Katie and Chelsea. They talked about boy bands, which is I, I'm going to admit it is not my favorite topic. I can't relate super easily to that, but it was still fascinating. I always listen to their episode, and even if it's not something that I think of as like the core of my geekery, I always find something in their episodes that's like interesting and it makes me think. So, boy bands, if that's your thing, make sure to check out Tea Time this week. Um, I have a bunch of geekery. I talked about the quick hits up front, but I also... I listened to, so I've been playing like a lot of games, just trying to revisit some things that I wanted to make sure like I knew my feelings on before we do our games of the year episode. And then just going back to a a bunch of the games that I wanted to try also that I hadn't gotten to yet ended up being really good podcast games. So, or podcast, audiobook, you know, it's all the same to me. I I listen to stuff. So I listened to a couple books since the last time we talked. Um, One was called Off to Be the Wizard. And after our Q and A episode, I'm really curious, like if this is a lit RPG book. I'm I not think sure. So. Yeah, like I don't know where that line is. Like, what defines the genre? Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent on it. I think uh, based on a discussion I've had with uh, with one of the listeners that we may have a lit RPG uh, episode coming up. Ooh, that'd um, be fun. And so uh, I don't know exactly where that line is drawn. That'll be fun to really dig in and look at, especially after the previous episode where I'm being childish and not writing one on purpose. Um, <laughs> But um, I th- I think that off to be the wizard is uh, lit RPG is what they're considering lit RPG these days. So the premise of the book is that somebody finds a file and it controls like all the variables in the world. And they use that to essentially become a wizard through like the use of computer skills to modify this file. And at its core, it's basically like a geek power fantasy. I mean, uh, you know, that you is gotta, not what I thought it was. Yeah, you so gotta I like don't admit know. what it is at the center of it. It's you know giving you access to all the variables in the world. So um, I liked it enough to finish it. It was like pretty interesting, and I I'm thinking about picking up the second book in the genre. Um, I kind of want to go slightly into spoilers just in like the first maybe like quarter of the book because just hearing that part of what it was that didn't sell me on it. Uh, I had to actually like get into it before I was really hooked. So he gets in trouble for finding this file because he like gives himself money and his bank account. So they come after him for bank fraud. All of this happens very early in the book. Not big spoilers, I promise. And he before he started messing too much with the file. Um, he created like a, a quick app on his phone that has a couple buttons, and one of them was for like emergencies. He wanted a time uh-huh. and a place that he could go to because the variables in the file that you go like back in time, basically, you can like set your time, right? And he, it would let him go back to whatever time. So he comes up with, he does some research, and he finds like, oh, a good time to be alive with superpowers would be um, basically being like a wizard in medieval England is what he lands on and so he goes back there to actually become a wizard and when he shows up there he finds out that 
all of these other people had the same idea and he's not the only one. And that's when it gets really interesting. When there's all of these other people that build themselves as wizards, all of them have found this file at various times throughout history and have gone back to this point in time. And like hmm. that's what the story actually becomes about. Okay, I don't think that's lit RPG because I the way I'd understood it based on a long time ago having read the description that's probably been rewritten better now. Um is that I thought it was somebody who did that, but was getting into like got drawn into like a, their own D and D campaign or something like that to be the wizard based on what they knew in the real world, uh, with being able to control it like a DM. Yeah, so we got to figure this out at some point. This is now this is intriguing for both of us. Like, what is this genre? But like you said, we've been talking to one of the listeners. It might be an episode soon. We'll see what happens. Um, so off to be the wizard. Uh, I liked it enough. I finished it. Uh, I'm thinking about picking up the second book. I probably will at some point. So take that as you will. The other thing that I listened to that was a really good, it was an Audible original. So it's not technically a book. It's like straight up just an audio book on Audible is the only place that it is. Um, it's about weather data. And <laughs> it was really, really good. This is one of those things where I'm trying, like this year, I've been surprised how much I'm enjoying uh, nonfiction for books and like writing. Right. And I've always liked it for writing, but I've never really read books that were nonfiction before this year. Like this is me coming back to it after basically a reaction to the fact that we are all in school for like 18 years of our lives. Don't no, more than that. Like, you know what I mean? A lot, a lot of <laughs> reading in school. That's nonfiction. Um, this is me finally getting back to it in my thirties is like, this is actually interesting stuff. If I pick the right topics, um, it's about weather data and about like, the government data that has been collected beyond just weather, but just the government data in general that has been collected over years and years painstakingly, and it's never been uploaded to the cloud. And there's like all this data out here, not weather, weather has been uploaded to the cloud. That's a whole different thing. That's a big part of the book. But like all of this data out there that is sitting on magnetic long-term storage tapes, like in government facilities around the country and like what you could do if you digitized it and you put it in the cloud and you give people access to it. Like there is such good data from the US government that once you give people access to it, amazing things can happen. And that's kind of what the whole audiobook is about, but it does it through the lens of the weather. That's like the primary thing that it focuses on. Hmm. That that sounds interesting and strange. It's really good because yeah. I also like weather and I like science and I like weather science. Like meteorology was a fun class that I did a couple of those classes in college. And this really talks about how like all of the for-profit weather apps and weather services are all built on the core of government like data, like all of the weather data that's being collected by the National Weather Service. And oh, I'm going to mess it up. Huh. National Ocean and Atmospheric uh, Association. Is that right? NOAA? Something like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was this look at something that like, as a Minnesotan, I obsess over the weather. We all do. You got to check the weather constantly because we do not dress for what it is. We dress for what it will be. That's the way that it works in this state. And yeah. like, I know that's kind of true of everybody, but like, it surprises me when I talk to people in other states and they don't check the weather multiple times a day because that's just oh, what no. we do. You know, I haven't checked the weather in a long time. Honestly, since I'm not running, I haven't looked at, at a weather app in so long. I basically I ask Siri what temperature it is outside and then decide whether to put on a hoodie or a light jacket. See, and that's not what we do. Like here, you look at the weather every day, if not multiple times a day, because you kind of need to know. Like in the winter, you could be walking out there. It could be slightly below freezing. Nobody 
big deal. Yep. It could be like negative 15 with like a negative 15 extra wind chill. So it feels like negative 30. Like that happens, right? Blows um, my mind. And then in the summer, like you never know. It could be like thunderstorming one day and it could be like way too hot the next day. And then it could be perfect temp. Like that's just where I live. And so weather is a part of life here. So I'm always super fascinated by it. So anyway, all of that to say that, um, it's an Audible original. It's really good. It's only a couple hours, so it's not a huge commitment, but I would recommend it if you find any of those things that I talked about interesting. It's called The Coming Storm. That does. I mean, it sounds really cool, and it's really interesting to me uh, to think about, like you said, putting all that data out there because that's been just huge in my mind of of the free flow of information, that that's a big thing for me. And uh that needs I think to be that out there. you would like it just through that lens alone. I could recommend it to you knowing that you like that kind of thing just because it touches on so much of that throughout it. Yeah. Like you would like it. Oh, yeah. Um, just just hearing about it. That's the part that sounds the most interesting to me. Yeah, it's good. It's a really good one. Um, And so I played a couple games this week, too. Again, trying to catch up for like game of the year and make sure that I know where things are at. So some things I just touched on again and replayed or there were a couple games from a few years ago that I got around to trying, which was interesting because they've been on my list forever, like Undertale. And I never really gave it a shot. Um. I like it, but I don't think I like it as much as everybody else does. I'm going to keep playing it, but I doubt that it'll end up on my games of the year list. It's just not looking like it, unless there's some big twist at the end, which, based on what I've heard, could be a real thing. But um, So tell me a little bit about Undertale, because I, it's come across mine a couple of times. It may be because it's in a Humble Bundle or something right now. I don't remember, but I, I saw it, and I'm like, I keep seeing this everywhere, and I know so little about Undertale. Like, so, what exactly is it? Because yeah, I feel like I should play it because it is everywhere. I mean, it's by a Western developer, and it's I don't know if it's a small team or if it's one guy, but either way, it's an indie developer for sure. It might just be the one guy, honestly. It looks like a JRPG in a lot of ways, where you have like a battle system, you go into this like battle, and you have options and a menu, like you would think. But the thing about the game is, if you want to, and really what the core of the game is, is that you don't have to fight a single person. You get into these battles, and what you can do is you can um, do actions that are not fighting. And through the actions, you can figure out like what each different monster and creature and thing needs. And you can do that action and then give like mercy to that creature and just walk away from it. And you still get gold from huh. it. You get zero experience and then you move on with your day. And so the real way to play this game is a pacifist playthrough is that you never attack anything ever. And wow. every time you do an action that is not like you can't just jump to like the mercy button to like get out of the battle. You actually have to figure out the monster first before you have the option. So if you're ever doing anything that's not fight and that's not mercy. So all of these actions, right? Like the core of the battle system, what happens is you get into this like bullet hell dodging mechanic. And I had tried this game on PC right when it came out because I heard such good things about it. And I could not play this game with a mouse and keyboard. Like I just couldn't do it. I needed a controller and yeah, um, like the controller that I tried at the time on PC, at something about it just wasn't clicking with me. So I returned it. I did a Steam return. So it's been on my like to playlist whenever it comes out on consoles, and it's been out on consoles for a while. But what happened was over Black Friday there was a sale for it on Switch, which was perfect. So I finally got it, and I finally like tried it with a controller that I like, and now I'm actually playing through it because that core mechanic, that core like pacifism mechanic, requires a lot of just bullet hell dodging mechanics, like through every time that you do an action. That is interesting and strange. It is. It's very strange, but 
it's uh, the story is basically like you're a kid and you fall down into this like whole world underground and it's full of monsters but you can be nice to the monsters that's that's the game in like a nutshell huh <laughs> huh yeah exactly no it's huh. interesting yeah so, i mean that not like huh in the best way like that's not even a dismissive huh that's me sitting here trying to to get that's like maybe i do need to play that yeah and maybe i'm just not far enough maybe there are things later on in the game that are mind-blowing like everybody else has told me i'm just not there so we'll see but i'm not going to rush to play it by end of the year um I'm already like two years behind on it, so if it slips into 2019, it's no big deal. But I did play Red Dead Redemption 2 online because that seems very relevant, and I know we've talked about Red Dead Redemption 2 a bunch lately. Um, I think the online version, it seems like a much better fit for the world that they've created. My problem with it is that I'm very like goal-oriented in games, and I buy into stories too, like accomplishing goals, understanding systems, and like getting through stories those are probably like three of the reasons that i latch onto the games that i latch onto. i mean you know me well enough to know that's true yep. right and this online version just really isn't scratching any of those itches for me at all like it has so many goals it's such an open world that i don't even want to try to start because it's like no i'm never going to finish that why should i even start the stories are very much like they're stories but just enough story to be okay in an online mode and you know the exploration it's the same world as like the main single player game so it's definitely kind of how i feel like about fallout 76 there's a good baseline here they're going to keep building on it this could become something really cool later but for right now there's just it has a bunch of the same problems as the main game like there's so much riding between different interesting things that i was just longing for those fast travel options that Mm. aren't there i mean they're kind of there, but they're not really the way that you want them to be. Um, there are good things like the co-op story missions are fun. It's really fun to just like get together with a couple other people and like blast through a mission. Like I was surprised how much I like that. So if I could play this game and maybe only do those, um, I might be having fun. And some of the competitive playlists were interesting too, but they're just like pure chaos multiplayer. Might as well just be its own game that's completely separate because it's like a, a multiplayer Western shooter with there's one that's like a battle royale there's one that's like you have to run around and find these targets and shoot them there are some that are just like kill everybody else as fast as you can (laughs) or using certain weapons it's what you'd expect from like a competitive multiplayer game right you know so i think red dead redemption 2 online if you have a regular group of friends that you play with online and you're all on the same platform this could actually be like an amazing game I just don't have that in my life and I don't have time to schedule that into my life. So it's not a good fit for me, but I can see who this would be good for and I can see how much they would love it, if that makes sense. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think because like, it doesn't sound really like it's, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it is a, has the staying power of some online games. It seems like it's just another online mode. Like it doesn't, really add much to the game itself um i don't know i mean it adds posses and you can be with friends and it's really if you're a fan of like gta online or if you're a fan of the single player red dead redemption 2 and you really wish you could have friends in it that's what this is it's not much more beyond that even though it's kind of hinting that it might be in the future but that's what it is at the moment uh okay yeah, yeah, it just seems helps. like that's... Yeah. Okay. Um. So one of the other games I played that 
again, I picked it up on Black Friday because I've been waiting for it to go on super sale with Starlink Battle for Atlas. Have you seen this game? I saw it, and I see in your notes that it's like if uh, if oh yeah Star- okay, let me say it. So it's like if Star Fox, No Man's Sky, and an Ubisoft open world game had a baby. That's this and game. So- I saw that and it made me laugh because when I saw Starlink here, the Battle for At- Starlink Battle for Atlas, I thought it was a new Star Fox game I hadn't heard about. Just Here's like when I thing. saw the cover, it was like, "Whoa, there's a new Star Fox game." It's like, "Nope, no there's not." The thing is, when you're playing on Switch, it might as well be because Star Fox is in this game. What did you not know about this? Okay. No, I, I so, really didn't. Like for realsies? Yeah, so the game was made for all the platforms, but they had a special deal with Nintendo where they included Star Fox and the whole Star Fox team in this game. And this oh, is man. that weird Toys to Life game that you and I talked about a while ago at like an E3 or two E3s ago oh, where you yeah. have the ship that you attach to the controller and you can pop off the wings and pop on other wings and you can like attach different weapons for different elemental weaknesses and stuff like that. You remember this one now, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So did you know that they have a special version for the Switch that includes Star Fox? And if you're playing as Star Fox, you get the R-Wing and it might as well be a Star Fox game. I did not know this, but that would explain why it looks so much like Star Fox. Yeah, and so it's like it's a handcrafted solar system. It has a lot of the parts of No Man's Sky that you and I actually liked, except instead of having the procedural randomness where everything feels the same, it's a whole handcrafted solar system, and every planet feels unique for reasons that matter um combat is surprisingly fun because you get to mix and match weapon types on the fly so i didn't get the physical version because you know that's not the kind of person i am Uh, if you were to get it i would recommend you get the physical version because i know that you love toys right i do love toys um but the i I got the like the digital deluxe edition when it went on super sale on black friday so it came down from i think it's like 80 dollars to buy absolutely everything down to something like uh, 50 or 60 like a normal game basically okay. um, and you can go out and get I think the the starter sets for the physical edition are fairly like um, affordable now too so I know that if you bought everything at retail price it was a really big price tag on the physical version but if you just wait a little bit like I don't know if this game's performing very well I'm sure you can start picking these things up on clearance soon because Toys to Life is not a thing that's doing so hot no uh, but I like this game, which is why I had to bring it up. Like, there's an actual story. Um, there's a lot to explore, and it's the kind of exploration I like, where there's enough objectives that it's like it feels possible, but also there's a lot of them, so it keeps you busy, and there's always something to do. Like, this turned into a great podcast game for me, and I'm having fun just leveling up my ships, leveling up my pilots, basically being Star Fox and exploring this, uh, not galaxy, but solar system. And it's funny, I can see where they're trying to sell toys. But I also think that if you just get enough to get like a couple pilots or a couple ships so you can switch them out because each one kind of gives you an extra life in a way. Like if you get wiped out, you can just attach another one. Um, And then if you get enough of these things where you have like one of every element, you're probably all set. Like you don't need to buy everything, even though there are things in here where I'm like, oh, you need that elemental weakness to get to this chest, don't you? Interesting. Like I see what they're Hmm. doing for kids, but we're adults. We can get around that. So. I really like this game. And if you guys are a Star Fox fan or if you were a No Man's Sky fan but wish it was a little more handcrafted or if you like Ubisoft open world games and wish that you just had like a solar system to explore, any of those people, I could easily recommend this game because I'm having a surprising amount of fun for it. And the thing is, 
I don't know if I'm going to beat it. That's not, it's not the kind of game where I'm like, I'm going to go 100% this. I'm going to beat this game. It's more of like, this is fun to throw on for half an hour or an hour and then go do something else. But I'm going to keep this one on my Switch as a nice palate cleanser and something to just go back to kind of whenever I feel like it. It's that kind of game. That does sound really cool. Like, it's not the kind of game that I think I would like because of uh, just not necessarily being in a shooter, like like space shooter mood uh very often but i'm so glad it exists <laughs> i think you would like it just to have the star fox r-wing and the little fox figurine that's true yeah, yeah yeah i would yeah that's very true um and then the last game that i played this week that uh, i can't even do it justice is like hitman 2 so all right settle in folks i, I don't want to make this too long because we did a whole episode on hitman one or season one this is more of the same, but in the best way that I can possibly say that, right? Um, plus, if you own Season 1, all of those maps got updated into the Season 2 engine, and you can just download them for free and add them to Season 2. And oh, if you didn't ever buy Season 1, don't, because you can buy Season 2, and then you can get all of those Season 1 maps remastered for Season 2 at a discounted rate. So, like, uh, this is the best version of Hitman that's possibly out there right now. Wow, so because I'd seen down lower in your notes that you can do that and you can add it to Hitman Two for like twenty bucks, and I was going to ask my question on that was, um, is it in the new engine? Like because I knew that they had updated things, but it would be weird to add in the older engine when they've updated it and made it new, made it better. Yep, nope, they just made it better and they remastered all those maps to be in it and they're very much the same, but in, in a good way. The new maps are bigger and there are more things to do and there are more actions and more verbs and like just more systems to get my head around, which is so fun. And uh, some of the new maps are just awesome. I love them. I mean, I went through the whole game once fairly quickly. It only took like five or six hours to, I mean, quote unquote, beat the game. But that's not really how you play this game, right? The first playthrough of each is really just like seeing what's there before you start to actually experiment and dig in some of these i played through surprisingly elegantly my first time because i had played all of season one and i knew the game right um and you didn't just play season one like no i like i played season season one one. so some of these i was surprised i had never seen the map before i'd never seen the situation before and i kind of elegantly got through a couple of them there are some that i just stumbled my way through i messed (laughs) up all over the place but i made it through anyway so that's the first playthrough now it's really about going back and like digging into my favorites and just playing them over and over and trying to get the different objectives and playing the escalation missions. And um, so there's a, a Miami racetrack level that's really good. And it's like the first level of the game. I think it's super cool. Not the first level. The first level is a tutorial, but it's the first real level of the game, just like Paris was in the last yep. one. Um, there's the suburbs which is so fascinating to just be dropped into like an American suburb and you can Mm -hmm. go into like, you can sneak into all these people's houses. You can go to like the barbecue that's going on in town. You can go and like see what people are doing in their houses. Like when they're not there, cause there's barbecue and I I don't know. It's, it's this weird kind of like, Oh, what's everyone doing in this neighborhood? But it works. It works so well. And then um, the last mission of the game, it has these like uber rich people that are also kind of a cult and they're planning for like, (laughs) the end of the world basically but not in a in in the very rich person like oh do you want to be one of the people who goes to titan when we make that titan ship or like you want to go to the mars colony like you know uh, that kind of like i have so much money i can do anything type i of got thing. you yeah so it's about you infiltrating the cult on one of the nights where they have a meeting 
and it's just it's so well done it's so fascinating to see like what a hyper rich you know taken to the extreme and satirized that's what that is um the missions in this are great and there are other ones that are they're not my favorites but they're super impressive like there's a how is it or maybe it's India, I'm, I'm going to forget off the top of my head because I only played it once, but there's a, a mission that's just like, I, I think it's in India, and it's just like so many people all over the place, so a challenge becomes like, how do you isolate any of your targets if there's always people around? Mm. Um, it's hard, and it's different, and I wasn't very good at it, which is probably why I was like, oh, this is this is not the one for me. Um, but now I can go back, I can play them one at a time, I can really dig into them. And I just love the intricate systems for all the reasons that I love season one. You know, it's it's a mix of puzzles, logic, like learning, mastery of a level, execution. It's it's all of that, and then it's more of that, and it's been iterated on in very intelligent ways. This is probably like one of my favorite games of all time, taking the place of Hitman season one, because this has all of season one in it. So I I highly, highly recommend this game. Um season two is the place to start and then if you never had season one if you did have season one like me it just downloads automatically which is great you get all the maps if not it takes like 20 bucks to add all of those in and yeah we'll see this one this one kind of came out of nowhere because i knew it was coming out i pre-ordered it but i forgot about it in the hype of november and all the games that were coming out and now it's like oh, okay this probably needs to be on my game of the year list where does it land so did you play this on ps4 or on steam i've been playing this on ps4 okay i wasn't sure because when you said it auto downloaded all the stuff i didn't know uh because like how does it handle your trophies do i'm assuming that the do you have all of the trophies ported over uh with the new no, content or can you get the same game. ones over again you can get the same ones over again because it doesn't pull over any of your progress from season one because all the levels have been like remastered in the new engine okay. um but yeah it's it's good and it's like you can replay them and get all the achievements again and all the trophies if you're that kind of person or you can just go in and kind of see what's new and what's different and what they've updated which is also interesting i've how different playing, is it um it's not but it's enough you know it's it's the typical second iteration of a game that just is better on every front than the first one but there's also no new like no new crazy gimmicks there's no like one thing i can point to and say like this is what makes the game what it is it's just that they've improved everything a little bit and they've learned so much from all the maps they've created in the past you know they've added new tools they've added new weapons they've added new objectives and new like all that kind of stuff but oh, really yeah. it's just more of the same in the best possible way that that's under that's good that's understandable like that's that's the reason i've enjoyed the dragon quest games like we talked about last time it's it's something familiar you can get get comfortable with and but it's better this time yeah it's really really good okay i so, get that that's one of those games i had to get out there because it's probably going to be on my game of the year list so i gotta you gotta talk about it before it can just randomly show up basically <laughs> um that's probably it for this week. There we go. We got all the stuff for the end of the year off our chest, and now we have a couple episodes to record in a vacuum that are going to air at weird times. But our <laughs> our last two episodes of the year are coming up probably two weeks from when you guys are listening to this. So we'll do our end of the year uh, games of the year episode, and then we'll do our best of the rest. And then we'll kick off season four, which is odd to say. but Which we'll is be really doing that. crazy. 
that always ends up being like a super geekery episode because we just have weeks and weeks of stuff to catch up on. We won't do any more geekery between now and the new year, which is also no. strange. But yeah, it it's is that time of year. With it being the holidays and everything, we're going to be getting new stuff. We'll have so much extra time on our hands from being able to take breaks from work and, and spend time with family and actually do things. It's the, the super geekery of uh, 2019 should be fun. Yep. So you guys should get one more, some topic that we haven't picked yet that you will hear a week from when you're listening to this and then uh, our two end of the year episodes. So we're getting there. We're getting towards the end of the season, guys. That's probably it for tonight. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. So if you want to join us, you can go to discord.geek2geekcast.com or slack.geek2geekcast.com for an invite. Like we said earlier, we're also part of a podcast network, so you can go to geek2geekcast.com for links to Geektitude and to Tea Time. I blog at agrinmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's, and I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, timey-wimey people. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.